The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined once again by my good friend Chris Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing tonight, bud? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. You know, yesterday was my bachelor party. Oh, yes, it was. I, I did a bunch of sporty things. I had like a bunch of softball games. I did axe throwing. I played football with my buddies. I feel every bit of my 33 right now. Everything hurts, and I want to die. <laughs> How how was your, uh, you told me before we started recording that you've never, like, it's not something that you experience very often, but your hands hurt. My like your hands hand, hurt. The muscles the in your muscles, hands are sore. Yeah. It's from, I guess, from throwing axes for two hours. The muscles in my hands hurt. It's the weirdest thing. See, Schwebzy works in IT, which means he has very lily white hands. He's yeah, not used no. to doing so much work, <laughs> so much hard, activity. The hardest thing I do is <laughs> handle tiny screwdrivers. It's like... It, I'm not, I'm not used to big burly man work, like, you know, throwing axes, which is funny. Cause you're like six, three, you're, you're a tall I'm, I'm boy. A, yeah. You're a big a boy, person. but you got those little dainty lily white hands, <laughs> dainty little IT hands. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I'm glad that you had a good time though. That sounds awesome. Uh, you also rented out a baseball field, you said. Yeah, but it was, it was like, it had a roof and like, so we couldn't like <laughs> play softball on it. So we were using this baseball <laughs> practice field to play football and wiffle ball. Oh, and I mean, we, we, it's fine. We were trying to throw like curve balls with a wiffle ball and we realized we're not good at throwing wiffle balls. Wiffle balls? I would actually much rather try to hit an actual like baseball than a wiffle ball. That's also because I grew up with absolute savages who could throw like insane breakers with wiffle balls and I could literally never hit anything. I just flail every single time they were thrown at me. But I, yeah, uh, it, it's with me it's like i here i have this wiffle ball and i'm like hey buddy i'm gonna throw a slider at you and i just pegged him (laughs) so that's where we were at yeah sometimes you hang one and uh catch your buddy in the ribs it happens you know it's fine uh anyways enough about schweb's bachelor party i'm glad that you had fun obviously but we're here to talk fancy baseball so let's start off by talking about a few small news pieces from this past week someone that Schwebs and I kind of missed the boat on uh, in terms of a deeper league play. Someone who kind of came out of nowhere and has just been playing all the time for the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, Zach McKinstry. Uh, he really flew under our radar. We didn't talk about him at all. Right. Because like we, we have the thing with the Dodgers where we're like, well, if the Dodgers see something, we should probably look into this guy. But like McKinstry, McKinstry was so out of left field that yeah. like it was just like, OK, whatever, like. There's no way they could turn this guy into something, right? But here he is. Well, this is a guy that literally hit no home runs in college, and all of a sudden he's got three homers so far this early in the season. He has hit infinitely more home runs in the major leagues than he did in college. Yeah, the insane stat line that he's put up so far. He's had three home runs, obviously, like I just stated, and then he's had seven runs and 13 RBIs and a 308 average across 50 plate appearances so far this season. So he's getting plenty of playing time. Uh not saying that he's going to keep up this pace, but just to kind of put it in perspective how good of a start this is. If he got a season of 600 plate appearances at this pace, he would have 36 home runs, 84 runs, and 156 RBIs. 
Obviously, that's not going to happen. I don't expect that out of Zach McKinstry. I don't think he's going to get enough playing time or continue to perform at this level. But he's really killing it right now. Yeah. Didn't we both put in bids and lose him in a TGFBI? No, I won him because I bid. Oh, you got him. Maybe too much. Yes. What did, what uh, did I bid you bid like on him? A little over 150. I think I did like 156. Okay. So, some so like, random number because so, I think that's what most people do is just like kind of like do guesswork to see how much other people are going to spend. So that was like 15% of your uh, yearly budget. So you feel that strongly. I mean, anyone that's on the Dodgers that the Dodgers believe in that much and can perform at that high of a level, I am going to feel fine spending up on a little bit because I also have lost out on quite a few auctions so far this mm-hmm. year in TGFBI. But like... I don't think this is one that I'm going to regret too much, you know? Um, yeah. In, in my league, <laughs> Smata got him for 47, which is a steal. I kind of wish I had bit went up to 50 on him now because yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I did like, yeah, I think, I think it was 156. I don't have it up in front of me right now, but I know like the next closest person was only like 60 or something like that in my league. So Honestly, I, de- I definitely could have spent less, but I'm not I, gonna- I don't think you're going to regret it. No, I'm not going to lament the fact that I spent that much on him. I'm just happy that I'm actually winning auctions now. I also got Rafael Dolis, which is someone that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, now that everything has kind of come full circle, he was in the closer considerations early in the season here uh, and then was overshadowed by Julian Merriweather coming out of nowhere and just blowing the doors off the place and seemingly locking down that closer job or at least a late inning a uh, high leverage job there in Toronto, but now both he and Jordan Romano are hurt. So uh, we'll get to Delise a little bit later. Uh, some other news pieces. The A's have, as of tonight, we're recording this on Sunday, the 18th, I believe it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A's have won eight games in a row, which I had no clue about until someone tweeted it out. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but that is absurd to me they started the season i think it was like one in seven and have won eight straight now uh schwebs did you realize this was happening no like they were absolutely abysmal in the first like week or two of the season and then just yeah. won a bunch of games as so the, like do you know who leads the three american league divisions right now so boston is in the lead in the al east yeah uh the al central i believe is i will give you a hint it's not who you think who you would expect. Um, it's the Royals. It's the Royals. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I did know that one. Um, and then the AL West, I think is, I mean, it's all very, very close out there. Mm-hmm. Right now I think there's two teams at nine and seven. I think it's the Mariners and the A's are up top. Mariners are 10 and six. So are, and six. You're, you're, you're division leaders at this point. You know, what are we, we're at like the one twelfth point of the season. Yeah. Is, are are the Red Sox, the Royals, and the Mariners, just like we all predicted at the start of the season. How can you not love baseball? Gotta love baseball. So fun. Um, I mean, even like the Orioles are outperforming people's expectations, which makes me so happy. And also the Yankees being in the cellar. Uh, Yankee fans lamenting that right now. I know that that team's not going to stay in the cellar forever, but it's also funny seeing some people on Twitter go into absolute panic mode about what's happening. Oh. I thrive on Yankee fan tears. This is a beautiful time <laughs> in my life. That's uh, that's pretty much pure gasoline for Schwebs. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm fired up right now. Please cry more Yankee fans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, A's, we talked about Jed Lowry a little bit last week, but like there's a couple of really interesting names in that lineup. I mean, some of that isn't really fitting into our kind of like we try to aim for guys that are pretty much 20% owned or less when we talk about folks. But someone like Mark Hanna wasn't really highly touted coming into the season. He's still pretty lowly owned in a lot of leagues. But, I mean, guy that gets on base a lot, uh, someone that's a quality top-of-the-order hitter, uh, someone that might be worth uh, taking a look at because he might still be available in some of your leagues. Uh, But, yeah, the A's kind of killing it right now. Uh, One more little piece of news that I kind of wanted to go over, and this is very selfish of me is that I'm uh, taking my little tyke's pedal car out of the garage, grabbing some turtle wax and uh, buffing it out so I can uh, take this little victory lap about Jacob Junis. I am super duper jacked about Jacob Junis and his performance from this past week. 
Look, I, I just want to point out that I think your two biggest streaming pitcher wins of the year are the guys that I was most vocally against with uh, Jake Arietta and Jacob Junis. So basically, if uh, if Jordan picks a starting pitching streamer named Jake and I hate it, pick that guy up. That's that the, is, that's our that lesson learned rule. here. That is the rule. I so, also have another one that we're going to talk about later in the episode for a possible two-star pitcher that you could pick up this week that Shrebzy has also told me prior to recording this episode he is going to be very vocally against. So might be another one on the list for you to grab. Maybe. Not not named Jake, though. Not named Jake. We'll get to that one soon, though. And then one last little piece of news. So Starling Marte is going to be headed to the IL. Uh, heard himself earlier today. This is a situation that we kind of think is worth monitoring because it's going to provide more reps for both John Birdie and Garrett Cooper, most likely. Uh, Schwebzy, any feelings on the reps for folks down there in Miami now that Marte is going to be out for a bit? I, I think the answer winds up being both because uh, this is one of those teams where everyone's versatile and you yeah. know everyone plays. Uh, at this point in time, the, the Marlins have played 15 games. Birdie has played 12. Cooper has played 13. Um, Birdie has had more appearances of few at bats like he's he that you know cooper doesn't get brought in for like defensive replacement late game stuff while birdie does so birdie's games played might be a little bit of a mirage um i i think given that it's the center field spot i think birdie benefits more because he's the only one of those guys that might actually see time in center field given his you know speed and uh defensive acumen but at the end of the day i I think both of these guys are worth monitoring, but for completely different reasons, right? Like the only reason you pick up John Birdie is if you need speed, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he's the guy that he, he usually puts up a pretty decent walk rate. Uh, his, his OBP is usually pretty good. So he's a guy that's going to be on first quite a bit. Um, so he does have those opportunities to get steals as well, along with the speeds tool, uh, to get from first to second at an effective rate. Um, if you need stolen bases, I would definitely lean birdie. And he's obviously the one that most people favor. We're looking at just like the ownership numbers here. You've got birdie who's owned 19% of the time on Yahoo and 9% on ESPN in comparison with Cooper, who's only owned 3% on Yahoo and ESPN both. So clearly the consensus in the community currently is like, I'm going to roster birdie. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the stolen base upside of birdie because people need to try to find late round steals, right? 100%, I think. Yeah. So uh, I kind of lean Cooper Cooper here, honestly. Like, obviously, if you don't, if you need to get your steals, Birdie is probably a better option. But like, Cooper, pretty notoriously, like a first half hitter. He's usually, I mean, career wise, he's a 285 hitter in the first half of the season compared to a 271 hitter in the second half. And his last 600 plate appearances, he's put up a pace of 22 home runs, 153 runs plus RBIs. And a 277 average, that's really respectable numbers. That's not going to hurt you anywhere and provide some pretty good counting stats. So if he gets a decent amount of playing time, I would probably toss him in there. The only other thing that's really worth noting here and monitoring is that because Marte is going to the IL, they're probably going to bring up either Lewis Brinson or Monte Harrison uh, as further depth for that outfield. So they one of those two could very well sap some time from both Birdie and Cooper, depending on how things go. Uh Unfortunately, this is not a perfect world. Otherwise, we might get to see J.J. Bladé a little bit early. I'm still going to hope and pray that that actually happens because that would be amazing, but uh, very much uh, an unlikelihood. We will likely see him late in the season. The the thing about Brinson and Harrison is that they're probably not very good at baseball. I don't want to say that because very clear. I mean, they're professional baseball players, so we can't say they're oh, bad at no, baseball. Yeah, no, compared they're... to me and you, they're amazing. <laughs> but compared to other major league baseball players, they're going to strike out like 40% of the time. I'm going to take this opportunity to distance myself from my co-host and say that <laughs> I think that you're both excellent baseball players. Lewis Prince and Monte Harrison, in case you ever listen to this, which you won't. Absolute but... mentions Monte Harrison and... Lewis Brinson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I really wish that we could see J.J. Bladea, though, honestly. Breaks my heart. I wish people 
would stop taking service time considerations into consideration. That was just the worst way to say that. I don't know why I did that, but (laughs) (laughs) this is the world that we live in. But also speaking of prospects and service time manipulation, uh, we're getting to that point in the season where prospects are right on the precipice of being brought up to the big league squad really quickly. Let's just do a couple quick hits. There's two guys that we had in mind right away that we're, I mean, we've talked about previously. Uh, let's start with uh, Spencer Howard. Schwebs, how do you feel about Spencer Howard? I feel like we're probably going to see him pretty quick considering how bad the back end of that Phillies rotation is. You've got to imagine that every time that Matt Moore gets nuked, it moves up Spencer Howard's timeline a little bit. You you would hope anyway. But yeah, it's I, I'm I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen him more yet. Uh, he did get called up to be the 27th man for a doubleheader recently where he pitched yep. an inning or two. Um, I'm very high on Spencer Howard to the point where I've had him stashed on my TGFBI bench like literally the whole season. I drafted him and I have not dropped him. I think that once he sees the majors and gets comfortable, I, I think he takes off. Like it, it was it was literally like a year ago when he was pretty much back to back in prospect rankings with Ian Anderson. Yep. Like very true. the pro- the the prospect pedigree here is very high. And I, I like Spencer Howard. I, I think he's got the opportunity to really, really be good once he gets the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing, too. He's also only owned in like three and a half percent of Yahoo and ESPN leagues aggregated. Yeah. So he's very, very much out there for you. If you have like a deeper bench or if you have like an NA spot that you can stash him on right now, I would take a flyer on him and grab him now because I don't think it's going to be very long before we see him. Uh, same goes for the next guy that we're going to talk about, which is Nico Horner. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Nico because I have waxed poetic about Nico Horner and how much I love him and his change in stance and how that improved his offense. Uh, and beyond that, he's also a gold glove level second baseman. I don't see Eric Sogard, of all people, blocking him for playing time once he finally does get the call. And this was, to anyone who has a good pair of eyes, very clearly a case of service time manipulation. He He's, he's going to play once he gets called up. So... I still think we're a few weeks out from that happening, probably near the end of the month or maybe or like May, early May, I would say, is when Horner is going to come up. But again, same thing as Howard, where if you have a deeper bench or if you have an NA spot that you can stash someone like this in, I would definitely take a flyer on Nico Horner because I do believe in the changes that he made being real and that the spring training results, I guess, I know that we're not supposed to put a lot of stock in spring training numbers, but he looked more comfortable at the plate. He's moving more athletically, so definitely take an eye on, or take a flyer on that. Uh, some other guys to keep an eye on down the line: uh, Matt Manning. I don't see Jose Urania blocking his spot further down the line, but he's probably much later in the year. Uh, Logan Gilbert, we're not sure when he's going to come up either. Jaron Duran, someone that was really impressive over the Dominican Winter League and spring training, someone that we've talked about at length as well. And then Heliot Ramos of the San Francisco Giants. Guys like that, just further down the line, not going to be up really, really soon, but worth keeping an eye on as well. Yeah. So like really quick hits on these guys. Like I think, I think the ones that you're most likely to see get good production this year, I think, uh, Howard, like we mentioned Horner that we mentioned and then Gilbert, but we've mentioned here before that Gilbert is going to be held back purposely to be, to get a starters workload in the second half of the year. Yeah. They don't want to run him out too early and like burn him out early in the season. Like, so they're going to work him right. up slowly, but surely all of these other guys have like roster questions. Like we, you know, we don't know if there's an outfield spot for Duran. We don't know if there's an outfield spot for Ramos because the giants just have just a, an absolute conga line of like mediocre outfielders. So yeah, and Manning, as of right now, the Tigers have six healthy starters. You could argue that some of them should not block a top prospect, but yeah, it's not always how baseball operates. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, I, I just don't wish like ill on anyone in terms of like their por- performances or anything like that. But except for Chris Flexen, that's that's you. You're the one who you're the one who wants to launch Chris Flexen into the sun, not I. But <laughs> okay, I'll get I'll get you there. I'll, I'll, get you I'll, help, I'll help you build the trebuchet, though. Appreciate it. 
a nice father son project. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I do think that at some point someone's going to slip up and it's going to provide an opportunity for Matt Manning to get called up. It's just a matter of time with that rotation. I don't think there's enough strength at the back end. So we'll see when that actually is. Um, Again, I still think he's the best uh, out of the big three of him, Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize in terms of future value. So I'm looking forward to that debut very, very much. We'll see when it happens. Uh, Beyond that, let's look at some interesting bats from the past week here, starting with someone that we spoke on a little bit previously, Michael Franco. Uh, Schwebs, take this one. Tell us a little bit what you've seen from Michael in the past week. Yeah, so I've actually, I've got a pair of guys here both Baltimore Orioles who we've talked about before. And I, there's not a lot of deep analysis with these guys, right? It's, it's Michael Franco and Freddie Galvis. And the draw here is that they're, they're both passable baseball players at the plate and they have full-time plate appearances. Big thank you to the Baltimore Oriole organization for being not good and giving guys like these opportunities because we (laughs) as deep league fantasy owners love bad baseball teams because they give these guys plate appearances yep. and you know it it, pre- it provides buying opportunities for stats that people don't necessarily appreciate because the players aren't that good they just accrue stats because they play a lot so uh we've talked before about franco he historically produces runs rbis uh home runs after a slow start his metrics are pretty much sitting where they always do which is about league average everywhere like 50th percentile pretty much across the board with the exception of contact rate which is a good thing to be above average in i feel really good about this being a 25 home run 85 plus rbi season because there's no real reason for baltimore to not play him anymore i doubt his production is going to crater at any point and the as far as i know I don't think Baltimore has any third base prospects knocking on the door. Uh, maybe Yosniel Diaz, maybe, but I don't think maybe? he's super no. good. No, I mean, that's not gonna, that's not happening anytime soon. Yeah. So he's hit a couple dingers in the past week, and this could be the start of a hot streak. And we have seen Franco go on some major hot streaks in the past. As far as Galvis, basically the same thing, just in the middle infield. Uh, he's he's going to play every day. He just hit his first dinger of the year. Uh, he's I, I don't think he's going to put up the same kind of numbers that Franco does. But again, middle infield. So the bar is significantly lower there, uh, especially, you know, especially if you're talking like a middle infield spot, like shortstop is good. Second base, not so much. So yeah, exactly. not a ton of depth there. Something to uh, something to keep in mind here for both of these guys. They only play two games in the next four days. So, you know, depending on your roster situation, depending on if you're weekly or daily, you might have to like, you know, wait a few days to pick them up. It's probably safe to wait. But after that, they play eight games in a row uh, at home uh, for seven of them. And they're against Oakland and New York. Both of them are top 11 in baseball in dingers allowed. And Oakland is among the worst teams in baseball in batting average allowed and K percentage for their pitchers while both Galvis and Franco put the ball in play a good amount. So this could be a good matchup for, you know, these mediocre players to put up some counting stats, which is what we want from them. Yeah. That home stretch of seven games is something that I was eyeing up because like I've been doing, I got back into like daily fantasy sports again. So I've been doing DFS lineups and things like that. So I'm trying to look ahead. Um, And I found that there's actually a lot of crossover between DFS and doing deep league stuff like this. Yeah, because you want to fi- try to find the guys that aren't getting played by everyone else that are going to have like a nice breakout game, because that's usually how you win, right? Um, so Franco and Galvis are two that I've very much been looking at recently, and yeah, hitting in Camden Yards is pretty solid. So definitely some good callouts there, Schwebs. Uh, next guy that we're going to talk about is going to be Luis Urias. So. Obviously, this is me kind of being a homer to a certain extent. Big surprise that both of us are being homers in an episode of In the Deep. Complete shock. But I would never. <laughs> now that Orlando Arcia got traded to Atlanta for some minor league pitching depth, essentially, Urias is pretty much unblocked at that shortstop position. So he's got a full-time job, essentially, with almost no resistance, aside from when he occasionally is going to get a day off. Um 
One downside is he did have three throwing errors yesterday at shortstop. So that was pretty rough. And then he had a day off today, which were not the best optics. I know that they said that it was a scheduled day off, but it's not the best optics. Not Um, ideal. But that isn't really his demo. He's usually a pretty pretty solid defender for the most part. Uh, The biggest thing about Urias is that obviously like he fits our general idea of someone that we want to look at. He's only owned in 3% of Yahoo leagues and 6% of ESPN leagues. He's got a really discerning eye at the plate. He's a guy that I'm mostly looking at non-base percentage leagues. That was kind of his MO when he was in the minors uh, with San Diego. And it's shown up in the past seven games where he's walked 10 times in the past seven games. That's fantastic. And he's got a 500 on-base percentage in that time. Super, super good. Uh, I think that he is going to continue to get on base at a pretty elite clip. Uh, So as like a stopgap middle infielder option in like NL only leagues or like deeper mixed leagues, he's a really, really good play. Okay. Also, can I just like do a quick A side while we're being homers? Is that all right? Yeah. Very, very quick. Avi Garcia's bat has been waking up too. Yes. Uh, he had his third homer of the season earlier today off Chad Cool, which was pretty great. I would love to. Oh, God, that was such a good game to watch. Uh, and the thing is with Avi is that he's super low owned in most leagues as well, like less than 10% in most leagues. And there's so many injuries in that Brewers outfield right now. Like between Locane having leg issues, you have Yelich with back issues, and then JBJ is getting up there in age, will likely have some nagging injuries here and there. Avi's going to get a lot of playing time throughout the year. So he's like a really sneaky power option if you need someone. Yeah. And you mentioned JBJ. He's coming on a bit also. He yeah. he had his he had his first uh, dinger and stolen base of the season recently. So it, that that there were uh, I don't want to lump in the Brewers with like the Orioles and the Pirates, but like they they, they have an underwhelming offense and it's kind of it's kind of well known. So this is one of those places where people who pay attention can find value where other people aren't really paying attention. Like uh, honestly, like when Jordan pointed out uh, Urias, I looked at the numbers and I was shocked. Like I was like, yeah. wait, he walked how many times in the past yeah. week? That's wild. 10 times seven games. That's wild. I, like, that's I like, have no idea. That's like uh, like Robbie Grossman at the beginning of the season, not getting a hit in that first series, but walking eight times and having like a 700 OBP or whatever it was in that first series of the year. Like just very, very silly. Um, yeah, I think Uris had six walks in three games against the Cubs in that three game series. But if he had yeah. anyone to knock him home in the past week, like he might've scored 10 runs completely possible yeah but again brewers offense scuffling like they usually do um much like a new york mets offense and a jacob de start but hey they got him enough runs to get him a win in coors so that was pretty dope the bet scored like five or six runs in a three-game series in coors which is awesome <laughs> uh is that good is that bad for coors I, I don't i don't think that's good yeah, it's not exactly ideal. I mean, that Rockies team is pretty weak, too. So they were still able to eke out two wins, I think, because they got a win for Stroman today as well, right? Yeah, man. Stroman was out of this world today. Nice. Speaking of being homers, let's talk more about the Mets. No, not really. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Sorry, we kind of got in a little uh, sidetrack there. But let's talk about Starlin Castro. This is one that you wanted to talk about, Schwebs. Uh, I think we should try to do some launch angle, I think is what he said. Let's try to do launch angle direct quote <laughs> from Starlin Castro. And uh, yeah, we did talk about Castro previously in our middle infield position preview and all of the same things apply late 2019. He started committing to hitting the ball in the air more. It carried over in 2020, but 2020 was the wonky year and he broke his wrist. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of writing that one off. He's and he, again, he missed some time this year because the nationals had their whole COVID thing. Yep. Uh, so they started late and I, I have the feeling some people dropped him. So he's currently at 9% ownership in ESPN and uh, Yahoo combined. So the last five games, we've seen three extra base hits, which is you know a good rate if that can continue. His launch angle is right about where it was in that 2019 when he started trying to hit the ball in the air more. So the power production hasn't quite materialized yet. He has hit a couple doubles in a home run recently. So I do expect that extra base hit trend to continue. He's sitting at like a 400 slug right now. And I do expect that to come up a bit. 
And but one thing is for sure, like he's gonna keep playing every day because the Nationals, uh, you know, they don't really have anyone knocking on the door at second base because uh, the 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 only guy that they have there. Oh God, I'm blanking on his name, Luis Garcia. Well, they also have like Harrison. I think can also take reps there as well. He's been getting a few starts as right. well. Well, he's been playing third base because of Keyboom, right? Yes, he's been playing third mostly. I know that. I th- I don't know if it was like a day off for Castro recently, but he, I know he was playing at second base like two days ago or something like that. But yeah, that's the, the, point, the point is, I yeah, I don't expect Castro to sit in anything other than you know a, a, a rest day. So I think you can pick Castro up with confidence and slot him in as a second, ba- like middle infielder or even second base if you're you know if you don't have one of the stars there. Uh, I think you and he's like a set it and forget it kind of play for me. Yeah, it's a great call out. I like that one a lot. Um, you have another Washington National here. Yes. That you want to talk about as well. Jan Gomes. Yeah. And which is one that this, I was completely unaware about, right. honestly. So, yeah, he's kind of been up and down in his career, right? Like some years he's good, some years he's bad. Uh, and so far, it appears to maybe be a good year. This one is mainly for you two catcher league owners. I like, unless he like absolutely produces at his like 99th percentile production i don't really expect him to be a top 12 catcher in baseball this year like and if he is it's going to be at the very very low end of that like 11th or 12th but like in he's played six games so far this year and he's got three multi-hit games in those six games now the other three games were hitless but we're trying to look at the positives here uh dating (laughs) back to last year he's been at least passable against fastballs breaking pitches off-speed pitches every pitch type and his zone contact rate so far this year has been well above the league average at like 90%. I think there's a really, really solid second catcher here in literally any league. If your league has two catchers, I think Jan Gomes should be owned. And if he fell through the cracks of your NL only team or really deep league that rosters 30 plus catchers, he's must own there. Love it. Yeah. I mean, he's someone that I would love to have on my TGFBI team, a uh, team that I did not know needed to have two catchers on the roster and in the starting lineup at all times. I thought it was kind of optional, which is why I messed up one of my fab bids. I think I would have won. Uh, uh, who did I try to get tonight? Brad Keller, I think. Yeah. Nice. Uh, who's someone that we're going to talk about in a little bit here. So I wasn't able to get Brad Keller because I goofed up on who I dropped because I tried to drop um, another in the deep talking point. Um, oh my God. What is his name? Uh, catcher for the Blue Jays. Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, no, Danny Jansen. My God, he's a Wisconsin native. I'm so sorry, Danny. Um, honestly, yeah. he should, he should be apologizing to us with his production. Honestly, <laughs> quote unquote, professional fantasy baseball advice, professional giver, podcasters and fantasy baseball players. Good golly. Uh, Make sure you listen to us. Anyways, <laughs> um, you got one more here. Did you want to talk about? And then I got another hitter. Uh, let's talk about Gregory Polanco real quick. You put it really well in this in, in our notes here. I'm going to let you say this, obviously, but this is exactly what I was thinking when you told me about Gregory Polanco, and then you wanted to talk about yeah. him a little bit. The death taxes and the Gregory Polanco fantasy baseball hype train nailed it every year. It is every nailed year. It. It's yeah. that time again. As last last week, Polanco had two dingers in a stolen base. So I saw that and I was like, oh, it's that time again. Let's go look into Gregory mm-hmm. Polanco. And I came away going, nope, not picking him up because <laughs> I, I thought I thought that I would pull up his you know, metrics and be like, yeah, the tools are all still there. Like, this is it. This, it's time. But it's time nah, to buy. not really. And I was surprised because his he's like walking a lot. And usually that's one of the things that makes me really like a player. Uh, he's uncharacteristically walking 17% of the time so far. But his average—it it is good. It's great. But right now, his average and max exit velos are both well below where they usually are. His sprint speed isn't what it used to be, and he just strikes out so much since like 2019. Yeah, I get it. If you want to chase the upside, like I do, I like I'm pointing out to you guys that I uh, the the phrase that we we or maybe it's just me use a lot is if you're feeling frisky, if you want to take a chance, uh pick up Polanco there is still some some power and speed upside here I just I think we might be still seeing some skill erosion uh, I'm, I won't be doing it myself so I think in general both of us are on the side of fading Polanco unless he proves that 
this walk rate is legit. He actually can get the most out of what tools he does have left. But yeah, I'm also fading Polanco. Not super interested here, but still someone to keep an eye on. Um, but also, if he hits like a 115 mile an hour home run tomorrow, I might be back in. So eh. <laughs> it's really, I mean, we're only what? We're like two and a half weeks into the season at this point. It's still early enough that people can prove us either wrong or right. Yeah, like hitting a peak in max exit velo can be important early on in a season. But, it, you know, some guys only hit balls that hard a couple times a year. So it might just not have happened yet. Maybe it will. And I'll have to reevaluate. But yeah, not liking what I've seen so far. Awesome. And then the last guy that we're going to talk about here real quick is going to be Brandon Belt. Uh, we've talked about Brandon Belt at length when we did our corner infield preview in the preseason. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on him. He started off really, really slow to begin the season. He only had one hit in his first six appearances, but over his past six appearances, the bats kind of come alive. He's hitting 267 with a couple of home runs and a stolen base in that time, which he's not really someone who's going to steal you a lot of bases. Like he, I think like over the past two years before that, he didn't steal a single base, but for some reason he has two steal attempts early in the season here. I don't think that's that's like indicative of what he's going to do for the rest of the season, but uh, it's a nice little added bonus. Uh, the encouraging part about Brandon Belt is that even though his average is really abysmal right now for the whole season, the combination of his hard hit rate, which sits at 55%, and his exceptional walk rate, which is over 10%, it's 13.9%, is something that is very characteristically him. And something that we come to expect and the fact that we're trending in that, in that direction so early makes me feel really confident in Brandon Bell. I think that he's someone that I'm going to try to stash uh, in my deeper-ish leagues, probably like my mixed leagues. And then I don't have any NL-only NL leagues, but I'm assuming that he probably is rostered in your NL-only leagues, Schwebs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, someone to keep an eye out for. He's only rostered in 9% of Yahoo leagues and 5% of ESPN leagues. So very likely that in your home league, he's going to be out there. He's someone that I would feel totally comfortable streaming against a righty because he's a left-handed hitter. It's it's worth noting with him that so far, like the Giants played a lot of lefties to start the year on for one thing. And Belt's thing is that he crushes righties. And so far he's hitting 160 against righties and striking out more than a third of the time. I I'd be shocked if that continued. Yeah, I don't think that's a... Because he also, again, he had issues with injury to start the season. He had, I believe it was still from his heel. Right, foot things. If I remember right, that he was still coming back from. So that was still probably him gaining, like, just getting up to speed, you know? Uh, I think that we're getting to the point now where he's seeing the ball much better. And I fully, I mean, considering, like the hard hit rate that he's at currently plus that walk rate. It's super duper encouraging that he's going to be able to maybe not necessarily repeat exactly what he did last year, which was an absurd WRC plus that he put up over the course of the season. He was like fifth in the league. Um, but a guy that I'm more than happy to roster and then stream against right-handed pitchers when they happen to be facing the giants. Uh, can't say enough about how much I love Brandon belt in those situations, but uh, let's talk about some pitchers. Schwebs. Are you sure? Do we want to talk about pitchers here at Pitcher List? Yeah. Eh, wouldn't yeah. be really on brand. I don't know. Not for us, at least. We're kind I guess, of. I guess. Whatever. For the fans. You guys need to hear about pitchers, I guess. I know that we're. Uh, oh, God. No, I can't think of words because it's like almost midnight here. And I had like a very late night coffee and my brain is scrambled. Uh, words are hard anyway, man. Very, oh, I, I, I feel you. I got it. We like to be on into the deep. We like to be very contrarian. Obviously, we're talking about all the guys that aren't rostered on most teams. So we also, on a pitcherless podcast, shouldn't talk about pitchers, right? That's how it should be, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. But no, we're going to talk about pitchers. Uh, as far as closers, the only person that really came to mind for me this week, because the closer situation across the league is pretty stable at the moment, except for in Toronto, where... The two clear front runners for closing opportunities, uh, Julian Merriweather and uh, Jordan Romano, both got hurt. Uh, Julian Merriweather with a strained oblique or something wrong with his oblique. I, I don't know exactly what's wrong there. And then Jordan Romano with an ulnar nerve injury. 
what a tough stretch for Jordan Romano. Yeah, man. Ugh. It's like he he came into the year and like they they signed uh Kirby Yates and it's like, well, there goes yep. Romano's chance. And then Yates got hurt and we're like, oh, fire up those Romano shares. And then Merriweather came out shoving and we were like, oh, forget about Romano. Yeah. And now as soon as Merriweather gets hurt, Romano also gets hurt. It's just, he, he is very cursed this year. Well, I mean, the Jays are just cursed in general. They haven't gotten a single at bat from George Springer yet this year either. I wouldn't know about that. Just like. At, no, as as a Springer owner in TGFBI, I am furious. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Sorry to bring up a sore subject. I apologize. I won't mention his name again. But yeah, Jay's having a lot of injury issues really here in the season, uh, especially amongst the pitching staff. So that's been really, really rough for them. But their loss might be your gain again. Someone now, it's kind of come full circle. This was a guy that was in the talks early in the year. Now, like after Yates officially got, or initially got hurt, I, sh- I should say, uh, it was pretty much between Rafael Delis and Jordan Romano in terms of who was going to close. Now that both Merriweather and Romano are out, Delis is pretty much the only guy that I would expect they trust to have like those late high leverage innings. He's currently only owned in 16% of Yahoo leagues and 10% of ESPN leagues. So he's probably out there in your home league if you're listening to this right now. So I would jump on that immediately. If you're in a weekly league, I guess it probably won't matter because your lineups will be set before you hear this anyways. But um, they only have five games this week. I think they have Monday and Wednesday off, the Blue Jays do. So fewer opportunities, but uh, a guy that I think would be worth picking up because I don't expect either of those guys to be back for quite some time, probably at least two weeks, I would assume. So Dolly should be getting some nice opportunities uh, during that time. So if you're needing help in saves, that's got to target. Uh, chase him. Go get him. All right, moving on to our two-star pitchers. So we picked not even just like two-star pitchers, but also some pitchers that uh, have some good matchups coming up. Big shout out to uh, James Shiano over at Pitcher List who wrote up an article that will be out today after this episode comes out. Actually, I got to take an, an advanced peek at it, which was really, really nice for expected starting pitcher schedules. Be sure if you want to kind of get a good idea what pitchers are going to have good matchups in the coming weeks to go look at this article. Not just that, but also Anthony Tucker does a really good weekly two-start pitcher article that comes out usually on like Wednesday or Thursday, uh, previewing the following week. So that way you can kind of get a jump on these guys. So be sure both Anthony Tucker and James Shiano check out their articles and use those tools that you have available to you. They're totally free on the Pitcher List website. First one that we're going to talk about, this is one that I said Schwebs is going to push back on a little bit, is Michael Fulmer. Schwebsy, I'm going to let you take the floor first and tell me why I'm wrong for telling people to take Fulmer. I, I just, I don't think that the, so everyone's talking up the fastball velo, right? That's, that's, that's what we're going to, that's where we're going to be mostly hinging this on. In his last start, he was able to hit 97, which was encouraging because he hasn't done that for a while. He also got yeah. his first win in like, I think it was over 1000 days. It's like three years. That's not a good thing. I know that. I mean, it's 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 good. It's good for him because he got uh, yeah, a win. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying good for him because it was so long and he finally got himself a win. Like that's a nice feel good thing. But yes, I agree. <laughs> it's like pick up this guy. He's got one win in the last three years. <laughs> it's fantastic. Am I, am I arguing against myself here? Maybe a little bit. But no, no. The the the, the added fastball velo is great. We like when people add fastball velo. I sure. just don't think that the rest of the package is really good enough to cover for things like the, the, the fastball that he added the velo on the four seamer. Like he doesn't even throw it that much. It's not, it's like, it's, it's like his third most prominent pitch. Like it, like it might help the rest of his package play up, but I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think he's got enough elsewhere to really make that added fastball velo matter like so some other guys that we talked about increased velo and helping out the like helping them produce more are like you say kikuchi um yep john means john means has one of the best changeups in baseball you say kikuchi has maybe the best cutter in baseball like they have another dominant pitch where like some increased production on their four seamer makes their whole package play up i don't think fulmer has that i'm gonna stop you right there 
and just go back to that you say Kikuchi have the best cutter in the league comment and say Corbin Burns would like to speak that's to fair. you. But that's fine. Beyond but yeah. that, continue. <laughs> I agree no, with that, you. That's, that's really it. I just I don't think the rest of the package works even with the added fastball below. All right. I have a very uh, heated and passionate response to this that I'm going to use to fight back against Schwebzy. I agree with Schwebz a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm not impressed by Fulmer that much. Like, not highly owned in any leagues or anything like that. I, I'm not impressed by his repertoire either. Like he doesn't get a ton, a ton of swing and miss. The fastball velocity is a very nice addition. Yes. Uh, will I? Do I think that it's going to help the rest of his uh, repertoire play up a little bit? Not that much, though. Um, the biggest reason, similar to why I wanted to stream Jake Arietta for like one start early in the season was because Fulmer is going to be facing Pittsburgh and Kansas city for his next two starts. That is, that the is fair. Part of this. This is the only yeah. reason why I'm recommending this. I wouldn't do it. Otherwise that Pittsburgh offense, while it has come alive a little bit and they've been a little bit more lively against the brewers, but it was the back end of the rotation to be fair. Um, to be fair, to be fair, uh, they're not going to, score that many runs typically i think that fulmer is someone that's not going to be targeted by that many people someone that you're going to be able to if you need to pay for your free agents in your league and need to spend fab dollars it's going to cost you like a buck or zero dollars if your league allows zero dollar bids for michael fulmer um i'm very much recommending that you stream him against pittsburgh and then if that goes well, then I would maybe stream him against Kansas City, though I'm leaning against not doing it, probably. But this is a guy that potentially could get you a nice two-start week. And this is one that we can recommend, obviously, being a show that releases on Mondays. He's going to get his first start of the week on Tuesday, second start on Sunday. So this is someone that you can still get as long as your league has daily moves. Yeah, and and two things. Firstly, as as the only former Met to ever be bad, I need this. <laughs> I need this. I need him to continue to be bad. There have been plenty of former Mets that have been bad. I'm sure uh, we could find at least one other example. I'm just waiting for Fulmer to be good again, and then Anthony Kay is going to start shoving also, and it's just going to, you know, all sorts of misery for me. Well, I think the fact that Chris Lexon pitched like whatever, whatever it was, like six or seven innings and gave up 10 hits and only one run on the, those 10 hits, I think that was the universe just giving you a giant middle finger, like, and trying to cause you pain and cause the illusion that this former Met was actually good. Cause that was kind of a rough start. Like, I mean, scattering 10 hits and only giving up one run. Is pretty wild. That's a wild stat line. That's that's the Babip gods saying, <laughs> "Heck off, Schwebzy. We like the this heck man." Out of here, Schwebs. Uh, yeah. And so, there, there was a second thing about Fulmer that I am blanking on. Um. Oh, that like a negative thing that you were going to say? Yeah, I was going to say a second thing, and I totally forgot what it was. You forgot? Oh, damn it! A negative thing that you were going to say about a former Met? Mm, damn! I can't believe you. You're you're losing a step, bud. It was probably it's probably all that uh all that uh <laughs> axe throwing from yesterday. Unlike Fulmer, I have lost something on my fastball. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well if you do think of it, we can circle back to it. Let's move on to this. I'm sure I will. Why. Um Brad Keller is another one. Uh this is a guy that is going to get Tampa Bay and Detroit for his next two starts, and this is the same as Fulmer, where he's going to be making a Tuesday and Sunday start. This week, so again, if your league has daily moves, this is someone that you can get tonight, the night of this episode releasing. Uh, and Tampa Bay is like a meh matchup, but that Detroit matchup feels pretty spicy to me. I think that you're probably okay if you really, really need someone to stream that badly, starting him for both of these. He got totally crushed in his first start, and that was pretty discouraging, but he's been reasonable since then. I don't feel too bad about this one. I tried to get him. He was actually going to be my one move. I missed out on Fulmer and TGFBI. And then uh, I missed out on Brad Keller because I forgot that you needed to have two catchers on roster. So it was, a, it was an illegal move. But uh, so I personally won't be starting either of these guys, unfortunately, in most of my leagues. But uh, Brad Keller is another guy to keep an eye on. I think out of all the options that you will be able to find for the two-star pitchers this week, these are probably the two best options, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I like I like Keller more than Fulmer out of the two, just because I feel like Keller is it's more likely that you can keep him after this stretch of good matchups. Yeah. If you guys remember, like Keller was a pretty popular, like low tier pitcher heading into the season. And like all it took was getting annihilated by Texas in what I would call a fluky game to kind of erase all that goodwill he had built up. This was another guy who had actually gained velo uh, relatively recently. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely co-sign on Keller, uh, and that probably means you should pick up Fulmer because I, I you know, I, when Jordan makes a call and I disagree, I'm wrong. So, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I have, I mean, it's it's a, a lot of it's luck to a certain extent. I mean, I do feel comfortable in calling out some of these guys as like two star pitchers or people that you should stream. I was very confident about Junis, and I remain confident about Junis. I think the cutter's legit. Um, these I'm less confident on, but I think as far as all of the streaming options out there, these are two safer guys. Um, two more pitchers that we want to talk about here real quick. Let's start with Alex Cobb. Schwebzy, he's 13% owned, aggregated in both Yahoo and ESPN leagues. What do we need to know about Cobb here? Well, real quick, talking about our our, our luck and uh, like productivity – Remember that time that I called out Waskari Noah and then he destroyed the Pirates and then got annihilated by the Cubs? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am Waskari. The, the duality of man. Yeah, so, I, you know, we, we do our best. But uh, speaking of our best, this is my best pickup of the week, I think. I love. I th- it's this is all this is all opinions we we do as i said we do our best but yes. this is an informed opinion alex cobb gets to face texas this week so yeah maybe he could get annihilated just like keller but anyway uh i think we could have a legitimate breakout here and i i, I use the term breakout loosely because cobb's been good before and he's 33 yes. so you know he's not like what you would expect from a breakout candidate but he is had a significant pitch mix change going from nearly 50% sinkers to 33%. And now he's utilizing his signature pitch, which is a splitter, which has a nickname. Anytime a pitch has a nickname, you should throw that pitch more, I think. But he, it's, it's usually a good sign. Like you have yeah. Devin Williams airbender. Pitch like, yeah. Like, I mean, anytime a pitch has a nickname, it's probably pretty okay. Yeah. So it's, it's nicknamed the thing, which is a great nickname. Uh, it's like a split change, and he throws it 45% of the time. I would like to strongly apologize to Nick Pollock for recommending a pitcher whose primary pitch is a splitter. Because Shame. We, Shame. Nick, Nick does not like splitters. So, <laughs> uh, But the thing is so good. He is the most prominent splitter thrower in baseball by like a lot. So the second most prominent splitter thrower is Kevin Gaussman, who throws it like 28% of the time. And then Cobb throws his 45% of the time. It's absurd. Yeah, that's it's a, a huge lot. difference. So the the reason that Nick doesn't like splitters is because it's an inconsistent pitch. It's hard to throw well regularly. But Cobb, it's been like the, a signature thing for Cobb for basically his entire career. There's been like a season or two here and there where like he kind of lost it and it wasn't as effective of a pitch for him. But right now he's getting swings and misses on it 46.7% of the time. We've seen long stretches where he's used it well before. Like he's at this moment, he has a the hundredth percentile chase rate, which is, you know, like good. That's pretty okay. Because he's... Yeah, so like he's got his sinker, he's got his split, and then he throws a curveball, and the curveball is not that fantastic. So it's it the whole arsenal basically hinges on the thing, and right now it's basically as good as it's ever been. So I'm riding this. He's facing a weak offense this week, <laughs> ostensibly a weak offense, but uh, yeah. So I I have picked him up in several leagues this week to stream, and in my AL only, I picked him up like. A, a week or two ago like he he's been he's been awesome so far the era is high but i think that's a little bit of a mirage he's striking out a lot of guys the whip is minuscule like i i, I think we've got something here yeah he could just be i don't i don't know what his bad numbers look like but it could be that he's a very unfortunate uh victim of bad luck um but 
I like, I've come to really, really like and appreciate pitchers who kind of pitch backwards like this. So like Alex Cobb, obviously like throwing that splitter so much, but then you have someone like Zach Davies who found success after throwing that change up like 40 plus percent of the time. You have someone like Cesar Valdez who's getting save opportunities in Baltimore throwing that change up and like his fastball tops out at like 85 or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's very slow, but the way that he pitches like helps him have success in these situations. Mm-hmm. He's always pitching backwards. Um, right. I do fear the day that Cobb loses control of that splitter yeah. and doesn't get the it could happen on it. it. It's always a risk, but I do think that this is a good call out. And like looking at his Savant page, it seems like he's a pretty sexy pick, honestly. Yeah. I, I would like to point something out here. You made me pull up his Fangraphs page when you said the thing about the BABIP. He's yes. got a 393 BABIP right now, and he's got a 20% home run per fly ball rate right now, which are you know generally looked at as like luck-based numbers, and those could very easily swing in the other direction. Like There could be some major regression here. He's sitting at a 4.63 ERA with a 2.13 FIP and a 1.76 FIP, XFIP. So, you know, we could, uh, and as far as like, you know, not estimated numbers, like his actual output, he's averaging 13 Ks per nine and a 1.54 walk per nine. Like it's a, it's 11 innings. It's 11 innings. Yes. But you know, everything is a small sample size at this point. So I'm really excited because one of those starts was a great start against Chicago. Like he threw a quality start against Chicago, which is no joke. White Sox or Cubs? <laughs> the good ones. Oh, got it. Okay. So Sox, got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of bought in on Cobb. Is he available in our uh, th- our Dynasty League? I'll, I'll have to check. Yeah. We'll have to check and see if we can pick him up for this week. I totally forgot about our Dynasty League for a I second. Think he might, I think he might honestly already be on our bench. If he is? Fantastic. Thank you for doing that because I know that I did not add him. I know that would have been all of you because <laughs> my eyes were not on Alex Cobb. Uh, last guy that we're going to talk about here, JT Brubaker. Uh, Schwebs, let's go over Brubaker a little bit. He's sitting at 18Ks over 15 innings. Slider is getting utilized a ton. What else do we know about him? I mean, that's kind of it. Like we, We've got another pitch mix change here where the sinker percentage went down, the slider percentage went up, and like everything kind of like, like the, the slider is the, the what, what, what's the phrase, the straw that stirs the drink. It's what everything else plays off of. Uh, and interesting thing about the slider so far, when you think of sliders, generally you're thinking it's a pitch to neutralize uh, same handed hitters. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're a righty, your slider is breaking away from the opposing righties, but he's actually kind of been his slider's been pretty bad against uh, same-handed hitters and it's been absolutely nails versus lefties which is weird it's really weird uh so i i actually there's actually more research to be done here like we i actually want to look more into brubaker and see why he is the way he is but there's positives here uh his his uh slider has actually underperformed significantly against righties like it's x woba is like significantly lower than it's woba so it's possible that it should be doing better and a huge point in his favor in our opinion i think i can speak for jordan here is that our boy mikey ahedo is a big fan of brubaker and ahedo is much smarter and better looking than us so i trust him uh i believe world's most handsome baseball analyst mikey ahedo is his official title yeah, like it, they didn't even hold the contest. Like it was just here, here, Mikey. Let's just give you the here, award. Here's the award. Call it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we trust Mikey. Mikey has been kind of much like uh, Brubaker's slider against lefties, has been nails this year on calling out really good breakout pitchers and ranking his pitchers this year. Uh, Mikey's had some good call outs on that. So props to Mikey. We love you, Mikey. Good work. I think that's it for us this week, right? Oh, Schwebs, we have an announcement to make, don't we? Yes. So this is the last week where you only get to listen to us. If you want to see our lovely faces, our second and third most handsome faces in the fantasy community. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, you can start tuning into twitch.tv slash Schwebzy, where we will be streaming our kind of uh, prep process and also the actual recording process of this 
podcast. So this will be happening on Sundays at 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, yeah, uh, we we hope that we can, uh, you know, both entertain and give some insight into the process behind the scenes of what goes into this podcast. And, uh, you know, if you're into this sort of thing, uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday on that same Twitch I will be streaming MLB The Show stuff or, you know, maybe some other games here and there. So, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead and subscribe to Twitch. Well, no, don't subscribe because that's money. Follow twitch.tv <laughs> slash Schwebzy. I don't expect anyone to give me money. Please don't give me money. If you want to uh, give Schwebzy money, give Schwebzy money. I'm not going to tell you not to give Schwebzy no, money. No, don't, don't give Schwebzy do money. You should. That's for good content creators. This is me we're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, so twitch.tv slash Schwebzy for that. Uh, and yeah, Sunday nights we'll be doing this and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll be playing games. Absolutely. Sick. Yeah. And then also along with Shrubsy's stream, obviously follow him there, uh, support us, uh, and feel free to ask us questions in the chat. Not only that, be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the deep PL, and then make sure to leave a review and subscribe to our podcast on either Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's going to be it for us this week. Once again, Shrubsy, send them out. Bye, friends. Thank you.